0: All right. We hope you feel welcome this morning. Good to see all of you here today. Hey, before we uh, continue our series, looking at Christmas from the Word of God, uh, just a couple of reminders. Uh, There is an updated Oasis business connection on the information table out there. Uh, So I know some of you have been looking for that updated version of that so that is out there also just want to give you a, an update if you will of our of our holiday schedule this coming tuesday is our last refuel bible study for the year we will resume again on tuesday january the 6th we are taking the 23rd of december and the 30th those two tuesdays obviously off but Let's not forget that on Wednesday, December the 24th, right here in the auditorium, is our Christmas Eve candlelight service, and that is always very well attended, a lot of folks here on Christmas Eve, Uh, so, you know, don't forget about that, there's going to be wonderful Christmas music that we've been singing throughout the season, Uh, I'll be giving a short message and then we'll end with candlelights, Um, we literally start at 7 and end at 8, so, I know a lot of people like our family, we always have something on Christmas Eve, but I look at it that you can come and celebrate Christmas Eve here and then you still have plenty of time to go home or whatever and be with family and friends the rest of the evening. So we hope that you'll be with us. From seven to eight. And speaking of that, we need a few people who can be here a little bit early on a Wednesday night, uh, Christmas Eve. Just about like if our service starts at seven, like six thirty, something around there, to help us pass out candles and glow sticks to the children so that they can have lights too. So if you're able to do that, would you please let my wife Lisa know, and we'll uh, we'll make sure that we get those all to you, and and you could help us out greatly on uh, Christmas Eve. And, and I, I don't want to take up too much time because we're coming to the end of this year and we're getting ready to get into a new year. I need to make you aware of some things because we're going to hit the ground running come the first of the year. So a couple of things. First of all, as many of you have already seen, uh, we've been videotaping the Sunday uh, morning messages starting in January. Those videos will go out. So so not only are we going to have podcasts out there where you can listen to the message, but starting in January, uh, you can share with others that there will be an opportunity for them to see the message from the Oasis every Sunday morning. Also, starting January the 1st, so that's not going to be on a Sunday or a Tuesday, that's actually going to be on Thursday. Uh, I'm going to begin putting out my daily blog, which is going to be a daily devotion where Christians can come the entire year. And if you do nothing else each day, you will be able to come into my study every day and get something from the word of God. And so what I'm hoping for is not just that many of you will join me each and every day for the entire year, but that you'll use social media to share that with others. You don't have to do anything but just click share, and that can go out to a bunch of different people in your sphere of influence. And the whole motivation behind it is we're trying to get the word of God out to more and more people. That's why we're doing it. Yes, we understand that's going to raise our profile a little bit, but the main reason we're doing it— We want to get the word of God out to more and more people, whether it's through podcasts, whether it's through the daily blog, whether it's through video. And then Lord willing, and please keep this in your prayers. My goal is that by April, uh, the first Sunday of April 2015, which will be our fifth anniversary as a church and is also Easter Sunday this coming year. Uh, we're going to have my first book in print to be able to give out uh, and share with people that Sunday as well. So a lot of cool things happening and we're excited about it. We hope that you'll be praying along with this and just trying to get the word of God out to as many people as possible. With that said... We are in the midst of a five-week series looking at different aspects of the Christmas story from Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. And today we're back in Luke's gospel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, looking at the uh, announcement from God to the shepherds. And so I'd just like you to follow along. Next week, we'll finish our Christmas series back in Matthew, looking at the visit of the wise men or magi. But today, we're going to look at the shepherds. And so please follow along if you'd like, beginning in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2 and verse 8. Now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today, your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place that the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in a manger. When they saw him, they related what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything was just as it had been told to them. One of the questions that I always asked was: I approached this passage was, God, why the shepherds? Why out of all the people alive at that time and maybe near Bethlehem, why did you reveal this news to the shepherds? I think there's several reasons that we have of why God revealed it to these particular shepherds. And I hope that this will be an encouragement to us because one of the things we learn from this passage is that as God reveals things to us, there's always going to be a response from us back to him. Even no response, if you will, is a response. And so God always is looking for what kind of response am I going to get to what I am revealing to human beings. And what we find here, I think, of why the shepherds were those that God chose to reveal this to to them was simply because of the way they chose to respond to God's revelation to them. And the encouraging thing here is you and I can respond to God's revelation to us in much a similar way as the shepherds. We also learn in this passage that if we truly delight and are satisfied with God's gift to us that there will be certain results that are seen in our lives. We're going to talk about that. But let me begin with this. Have any of you ever at Christmas time put a lot of thought, energy, effort, all of that into giving someone a gift? And once they opened that gift or received that gift from you, you were disappointed by their response or their reaction. In other words, boy, you really thought they were really going to be appreciative of this. But it just sort of hit flat. And it wasn't the reaction or the response you We're looking for. I want you to think about that in terms of the story of Christmas and God sending his most precious son to earth. And what kind of response or reaction would he get? And was he getting to the greatest gift that could ever be given to any of us? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. First of all, we see in this passage, though, one of the reasons why I believe God chose the shepherds. Notice what it says in verse 8. There were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard or protecting the sheep even at night. What what do we see here in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2? We see a picture of faithfulness. Faithfulness. The reason why God chose the shepherds was simply because they were being faithful to their calling. They were where they should be, doing what they should be doing. They were living with the sheep. They were always with the sheep. They were faithful to what God had called them to and what their responsibilities were. And the reason this should be encouraging to us is, look, God isn't looking for necessarily someone of great power and prestige and position. In in even Jesus' day, shepherds weren't like this great, you know, vocation where, you know, they were the power brokers of the day. Far from it. It was a very humble occupation. But what it reminds us of is our God sees everything and doesn't miss anything. And God saw those faithful shepherds out there in those fields. God saw that they were with their sheep. God saw that they were doing what they should be doing, when they should be doing it. And that they were even at night watching over those sheep, protecting them, guarding them, feeding them, taking them to pasture. Every day they woke up, they were faithful to what they were supposed to be faithful to. And one of the things we learn from the Word of God from Genesis through Revelation is that God reveals more and more to those who are faithful. All of us can be faithful. In fact, God even instructs spiritual leaders, church leaders... To make sure that when you are giving over responsibility in the church and leadership positions, that one of the primary things you look for above everything else is people's faithfulness. Every Christian can be faithful. It doesn't matter what spiritual gifts someone has, what skills and abilities someone has. From God's perspective, the most important characteristic is faithfulness, dependability, reliability. God says, I'm not going to entrust precious things to those who cannot be trustworthy, those who cannot be dependable, those who cannot be reliable and faithful. So God says, entrust these special things to faithful people. 1 Corinthians 4.2, Paul says, moreover, it is required in stewards of God that they be found what? Faithful. The shepherds I believe we're chosen by God as an example that God will reveal things to those who are simply faithful. Not flashy, faithful. They simply get up every day and do what they're supposed to be doing. They're where they're supposed to be. They're taking care of their responsibilities that they have assumed And that was true of the shepherds. They were with the sheep all the time doing what they should be doing. Faithfulness, reliability, and dependability is a hard commodity to come by out there in the world today. Sad to say, it can even be a challenging commodity to see within the church. I want to encourage you. Again, all of us can be faithful. And the more faithful we are, the more we will see God give to us. Because God wants to entrust more and more to us and reveal more and more to us. But one of the things he wants to see in us is faithfulness, dependability, and reliability. And we see that characteristic modeled for us with these shepherds. Notice also verse 9, this angel of the Lord then comes... And the Bible says the glory of the Lord, the visible manifestation of God's presence was there around the shepherds that night. They weren't expecting this. That's why the Bible says they were absolutely terrified. They were shocked. They were startled. They weren't expecting some heavenly visitation by an angel because they were just being faithful. But it reminds us that many times God will do unexpected cool things in our lives If we're just faithful, day in, day out, we don't need to do some, you know, again, flashy, slam-bang thing to somehow get God's attention. God's not impressed with those short-term bursts. God wants to see over the long haul, day in and day out, how faithful we are. But when we show God our faithfulness, then God will many times break into our lives and reveal just really cool things and share with us things that we weren't expecting because we are where we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing consistently. That's what we see here in the story of the shepherds. Now, obviously, just like The angels have said to Mary and to Joseph, they say the same thing to these shepherds. Don't be afraid. Don't run away. I've got some really great news to share with you. And so the angel says, I've been sent to proclaim to you this good news. I'm a privileged messenger of God's salvation, which brings great joy to all the people, to each and every human being. It's possible In other words, the angel is opening up the idea that, look, every baby that is born is a blessing to their family and and to a group of people that obviously are touched by that baby's life. But the angel wants to point out to these shepherds, but this baby who's born... This is unlike any other baby that's ever been born, because this baby is actually a baby whose life is going to end up touching in some way every human being's life that's ever been born. And this baby has the capability or capacity to actually save every human being who's ever been born. Doesn't mean every human being will be saved, but the capacity, the capability of this baby is there. And then I love verse 11. The angel gets real personal. Yes, this great news is to all people and everyone on earth could benefit from knowing personally this baby. But then I love this. He turns to these shepherds and he says, but today, this very day, your savior. Your personal Savior. In other words, don't miss the angel says it. Yes, the scope, if you will, the breadth of this good news is to every human being. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But it comes right down to a personal decision and personal relationship. And though God is the God of the universe and God is bigger than anything we can imagine, God meets each of us right where we are. And God sent Jesus to each one of us to be our personal Savior. And I believe with all my heart that if you and I would have been the only human beings alive, that God would have still loved us enough, that if there would have been nobody else, God would have loved us enough to send Jesus just for us. Today, your savior is born in the city of David and he is Christ the Lord. By the way, last week we talked about why we need a savior. So I'm not going to duplicate that here, but he does. The angel clearly reveal who Jesus, this baby is. Again, this is no ordinary baby. This is the anointed Messiah, the Christ. This is the Lord, the ruler of all. This is the one whose goings forth have been from everlasting to everlasting. This is the ancient of days. This is the eternal God. This is the one who's always been and always will be. This is the creator of the universe. This one whose tiny little hands now have been born in Bethlehem were the hands that formed and shaped the universe. He's Christ, the Lord, which again reminds us of the wonder of Christmas, that that tiny little baby that was lying there in that feeding trough in Bethlehem was actually the one who created and who sustains the world. The one who for millennia had been adored and honored by the angels that he created who lived in glory in unapproachable light, the Bible says, and yet who was willing. No one forced Jesus to do this. He was willing to leave all of that and come to earth and place himself as God into human flesh, sinless but human flesh, and to subject himself, The one who lived in a sense outside of time, into time. And to understand what it was like to be rejected and and be hurt and to feel pain to the point where obviously he even was willing to go to a cross and die for each of us. When we think of who it was that was in that manger... That makes the wonder of Christmas even more unimaginable. And then the angel says, this is going to be a sign to distinguish this baby from other babies. Even in Bethlehem, you will find this baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in this manger or feeding trough. Now, appearances can be deceiving. So I think that's one of the reasons why what happens now in verse 13 takes place. Because we could get the idea that, oh my goodness, this little baby, humble, I'm not really getting who this is. And now the Bible says, as soon as that announcement was done, suddenly there's this vast heavenly army, this band of angelic soldiers that surround the angels on that hillside and basically start singing in honor of God. And I, I think that one of the things that God wants to get across visually to the shepherds is, Yes, he's come as this humble child, but again, don't forget, he's the commander of this heavenly host. He's the commander of the armies of heaven. He's the one who can speak it, and it will be done by these heavenly armies. And it's the one who doesn't even need heavenly armies. It's one who could do it all by himself. It's one who could just speak the word or breathe and it would be done. He only has these heavenly armies because again, just like with human beings, it's because he wants us to be a part of what he's doing. But he doesn't need anyone or anything outside of himself. He is Christ the Lord. You see. And so there's this heavenly army there on the hillside. And I think they're also a reminder to the shepherds that one of the reasons why God has an army is just a reminder too that there is this battle that exists and has always existed since the fall of of Lucifer and then entered into the garden with Adam and Eve where there's this battle going on and raging down through history between good and evil. Fortunately, you and I know who believe in the word of God that this battle's already been settled and that God's already won. But there's this heavenly army. And notice what they are singing. First of all, they're saying, glory to God in the highest. In other words, they're saying, this God should be properly acknowledged. That's what giving glory to God is. It's it's making sure that he gets appropriate acknowledgement for who he is. Proper acknowledgement for who he is. Does God really get glory today? Even for those of us who say we know Him and we love Him and we want to serve Him, is our lips and our life reflective of giving God proper, appropriate acknowledgement for who He is? That's what glory is. And this vast heavenly army is singing in the highest. From the highest of heights, and then they bring it down, and on earth, peace. Peace among people with whom he is pleased. We'll come back to that later on. Let's move on. Beginning in verse 15, we see more of just the faithfulness of these shepherds, of why I believe God revealed this wonderful story uh, and revelation of the birth of Christ to them. Notice their response and their reaction. The Bible says, When the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another. And I realize we can't really get this in the English. But in the original language, what these words mean is that these shepherds couldn't stop talking about what had happened. It was like, and and you and I know this, you know that gals are more apt to communicate than men. Men are usually terrible at communicating and, and, and talking and stuff. But what it's reminding us of is this. These male shepherds were so struck that God had revealed what he had done to them that they couldn't shut up about it. I mean, they were just gushing and talking about it. And I I think that what this, again, reminds us of is this is what God looks in us for. As he reveals things to us through his word and through his spirit, will we be as enthusiastic and as excited to share and talk about the things of God as the shepherds were with one another when the angels left them? You know, we can, as human beings, get around even as Christians and talk about a lot of things. We can talk about the weather and we can talk about sports and we can get all excited and and yak and yak and yak about so many other things. But when was the last time we got together with a group of Christians and just talked about God and his revelation and how wonderful he is? That's where the shepherds were that night. They couldn't stop talking about God and this visit of the angels, and this vast heavenly army, and the wonderful news that God brought to them. They couldn't stop talking about it. And then they say this. The shepherds then said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place. Notice this. It wasn't like a situation with these shepherds, where and and you would have, where they would have had maybe one or two shepherds that would have had seniority over the other younger shepherds. And they would have said to everyone, hey, I got seniority. Me and Joe Shepard over here, we're going to Bethlehem. You guys stay and watch the sheep while we go. No, that wasn't at all. It was like they all had to go. They, they wanted to travel together. They wanted to go as a group. They got it that when God does something, he, he wants people to be involved and he wants us to do this thing called life together he wants us to journey down these roads together and he wants us to travel through life together which is why he created the church not so that we could live in isolation from one another but so that we could come together and do this thing called christian life together and travel down the road of spiritual growth together and discover things for together and share these things with each other and encourage each other that's where the shepherds were that night Let's go together. And notice this. They weren't afraid to leave the sheep behind. Even though they were faithful up to this point, they weren't afraid to leave the sheep behind. Why? Because they also got this. If God is telling me to go do this, then I know God's got the other details. God will take care of those sheep until we get back. If this is what God wants me to do now, then I've got to have the faith and trust in him to do it and let him take care of the other details. Sometimes as Christians, we struggle with that. We know God wants us to go down this road, but then we keep saying, well, God, what about this? What about this? What about this? And what God wants us to do is to say to him, God, if this is where you want me to go, then I'll trust you for all the other details of this. Because if that's what you want from me, then I know you'll work out all these other details. So up to this point, these faithful shepherds now weren't hesitating in leaving all of them and going to Bethlehem because in their minds, God's got the sheep because God wants us to go. Is there something right now in your life where it's like, you know, God wants you to do this or go or, or you know, take on this? And you're like, but, but God, what about this? And God may be saying to you today through the story of the shepherds, I've got that. You just trust me. You go the way I want you to go. You go the direction I want you to go. You take on what I want you to take on and I'll work out all the details. And then the Bible says, let's go over to Bethlehem, see this thing that has taken place that the Lord has revealed, that the Lord has made known to us. I want to go back to that word see. The word see means to become acquainted by experience. In other words, the shepherds are like, you know what? This was a great experience that we had with the angel and then the vast heavenly army we need to take a closer look. We we need to even get more acquainted with this revelation that God's given to us. And there again, I think, is the reason why the shepherds were chosen. They weren't satisfied just to have this great experience on the hilltop with the angel and the vast heavenly army and leave it at that. They were like, no, no, we got to check this out for ourselves. We got to take a closer look at this baby. We got to lay eyes on this ourselves. We've got to see this ourselves. That's the kind of attitude that God wants to see with his people with his own revelation. He wants to see us diving into the word of God and checking things out and going deeper and deeper and seeing things for ourselves and not taking the pastor's word for it or the Bible teacher's word for it or the Bible study leader's word for it or whatever. But he wants to see us have that heart where we're willing to become more and more acquainted with his revelation through our own personal experience. That was true of the shepherds. And then verse 16, they hurried off. These words speak about eagerly, energetically, enthusiastically, with a sense of urgency, they took off to find Mary, Joseph, and the baby. Can I just say, in some churches, there would have had to have been a committee meeting first. In some churches, there would have been, well, let's, let's talk about this a while. No. When you've got clear direction from God, you go. And you go eagerly, enthusiastically, energetically. You go with a sense of urgency. If this is a message from God to you, then seize it. Go. Experience it. Sometimes there is that, and even in our lives, the paralysis of analysis. And listen, if you know me, you know I'm not one that's just going to jump into something. I'm usually one that when I'm faced with something, I'm going to take a step back first and try to get as much information as I can. But there's some times where God just sort of steps into our life and says, do it. Then I don't need to take time to pray about it. I don't need to take time to think about it. I don't need to take time to analyze it. I just need to obey it. And that's what the shepherds did. They took off the moment the angels left. They couldn't wait to go and see what God had revealed to them. And the Bible says, when they found Joseph and Mary and the baby lying in a manger, when they saw that, they began to relate what they had been told about this child to others Did you see that? They shared it. They were were evangelists. They were witnesses. They testified to others. They didn't keep it to themselves. They shared with others around them what had been told them about the child. And notice that. That's very important. Notice that they primarily didn't share their experience. The Bible doesn't say that. That they went and said, oh, my goodness. You should have seen that little baby. And how many pounds was he? How long was he? You know. I'm not saying that's not important. But more importantly, notice they shared what had been told them about the child, which was what? Today, your personal Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. That's what they shared. They shared the gospel. They shared the good news of who this baby was and what this baby came to do. And why he came to do it. That's what they shared. I've said this through our study in the book of Acts on Tuesday night. And I believe it with all my heart. That if you and I as Christians or any Christian who knew the Lord in a personal way. If we were more enthusiastic and energetic and eager. And lived life with a sense of urgency to share with others what Jesus has done in our lives, I think God would give us more and more opportunities. I think sometimes we sit back and wait, well, God, you're not giving me anybody to talk to about you. I think God looks at it the other way around. You start going out there and you start sharing what you already know. You know who Jesus is. You know what he's meant in your life. You know what a difference Jesus has meant in your life. Be willing to share that. And as you do that, you're going to find that, there's going to be more and more people that you're going to be able to share who Jesus is, just like the shepherds did. And then the Bible says, all who heard it were astonished at what the shepherds said. They wondered, they marveled. It didn't say they believed in Jesus. It also didn't say they rejected. It just said, wow, basically, they were blown away by this. You mean this baby? This baby is Christ, the Lord, the Messiah has been born? Mary had a little bit of a different reaction, not a bad one, not an incorrect one, just a different reaction. And it's not that Mary was not going to be a great witness. Mary actually, though, approached it at least at this point in this way. The reason she did what she did is she didn't want to lose what was going on. That's what the word pondered here and the word treasured up in her heart really mean. It was a way for Mary to retain the moment so she didn't lose it. And you and I can identify with that. There's been many special moments throughout our life that maybe as the years go on, they sort of get lost. The, The impact of them, lessons and lessons, because the further and further we get from them, you lose something over time. And what Mary was trying to do here was do her very best as a human being to try to keep the impact of this to such a degree that it would not be lost over time. That she would continue to go back and remind herself and be mindful of this and to keep this in the front and center of her mind exactly what happened those first couple nights after Jesus was born. When the shepherds came to visit and later on when the magi came to visit. I'm sure even up to the point where Jesus died on that cross, she was keeping all of this front and center of her thinking. Because she didn't want to lose it like many times we do in life when we don't keep something and we're not mindful of it over and over again, we begin to, to lose it. And then the Bible says in verse 20, so the shepherds returned. That's important too. Notice they didn't, after this great experience and revelation from God, they didn't go a new direction necessarily. They went back to being shepherds. But I believe that they were never the same shepherds. Even though they were faithful before, I believe that this experience and this revelation from God forever changed the kind of shepherds that they were. And that's really what God wants to do in our lives. He doesn't necessarily want to come into our lives this morning and change the direction of your life and say, okay, you've been doing this for the last 10 years, now I want to take you in a new direction. But that might be true. But more times than not, what God wants to do is to have us encounter him in such a way that when we go back to what we've already been doing, that we're just different. That we've been changed. And that then the people that work around us and live around us and live with us and all of that can see, well, they're doing the same thing they always do, but, but they're just different. Their attitude's different. Their perspective's different. Their language is different. Their outlook is different. Everything is different. Their priorities are different. They're not the same. That's the way it should be when we encounter God's revelation in our lives. There should never be a time where we encounter God's revelation in our lives where we don't walk away a little bit different. And the shepherds return, glorifying, the word means magnifying, celebrating God, and praising God, which means to sing in honor of God. By the way, I think Part of their motivation for why they were into singing to honor God was because they just saw this vast heavenly army sing to honor God. They had a good example. They saw that vast heavenly army singing to honor God. And therefore, it's like, well, if, if the vast heavenly army can do it, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for us, let's sing to honor God. And the Bible says, then they. Praise God for all they had heard and seen. Everything was just as it had been told. I think we have a lot of insight here in this passage of scripture of why God chose the shepherds. He chose them because of the way he knew they would respond to his revelation. And he chose them because they were just simple, faithful people. Who were doing what they should be doing, where they should be doing it, day in, day out, faithful, reliable, dependable. I think that's why God chose them. And God wants to see that kind of same response in us as he pours out his revelation in our lives. That we get excited about it. That we're willing to share it. That we're willing to travel down that road with others. See, we can... We can respond pretty much the same way the shepherds did to God's revelation to them. But here's the focus I want to leave with us today. When the angel came to announce the birth of Christ, he says these words. He says, listen carefully. Verse 10. For I proclaim to you good news that brings, what's those next two words? Great joy. And then I want you to drop down to verse 14. Where the vast heavenly army is singing and part of their song is glory to God in the highest and on earth. And what's that next word? Peace. Joy. And peace. Let me ask you, do those two words characterize our lives today? Would people say I'm a joyful person? That that I'm a person at peace? Because that's really what the word peace means. Someone who has this tranquility and this rest in their soul. They're not all churned up and agitated and all that, but they're at peace. They're like a calm water, not a churning ocean. And yet, when the angel proclaims that the Lord has come... That this would be the result of his coming. That he would bring joy and peace. Well, as I even got into this and read this and studied this, part of what I was saying is, God, why don't we see more people who have joy and peace in their lives, even those who claim they know you? Why don't we see more joy and and peace, even in Christians' lives? I think the answer is at the end of verse 14. The angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. The word means to be delighted in or satisfied with. how do i please god how do i delight god well i delight god when i'm delighted with the gift that he's given see that that's the message here that's why many of us and most people in the world really aren't experiencing joy and peace Because they have not and we have not truly delighted ourselves in the gift of Jesus. We're not really satisfied, which is what the word please meant, with the gift of Jesus. We can be just like some of those people we may know who we put a lot of time and effort and energy into giving someone a gift. And they weren't very much delighted or satisfied with our gift. And that's what God is saying to us. God is saying to us today, you want to experience the joy and peace that comes through Christ? Then be delighted with Jesus. Be satisfied with Jesus. And this is especially true at this time of year. Because, again, I put, I put the responsibility on us as Christians because we're the ones that's supposed to sort of set the example and be the example. And what kind of example are we being to even those in the world that don't know God if we're living our lives in such a way that we tell others and share with them so readily we have God in our life, we have Jesus in our life, but then they look at the way we live our lives and it just looks like we're not satisfied with what we have in Jesus. Because if we were truly delighted in Jesus, then we would live our lives a different way. We wouldn't be pursuing all these temporal, physical, material things in the world so much, but we would be focusing on the spiritual things and making our spiritual life and our spiritual growth the priority of our life above everything else. So I personally think taking... The truth of this passage that the reason why we really don't see a lot of joy and peace in people's lives today, even though that's what Christ came to bring us, is because we don't delight ourselves in Jesus. We're not satisfied with the gift of Jesus Christ. And so I'm hoping again through these messages that we're giving and just through the way we're trying to celebrate Christmas here at the Oasis that we will encourage other Christians especially. I can't encourage those that don't know Christ. First of all, they've got to come to Christ. They've got to know that he is the Christ, the Lord. And that he is their personal Savior. But for those of us who claim to know him, then it is our responsibility not just to know him, but to be satisfied with him. The Lord is my shepherd, David said, I shall not want. That word means to lack anything. Can you imagine the dynamic and the difference it would be that if every true Christian over the whole earth began today to live in a way where they lived as if they lacked nothing because they had Jesus. That was it. I got Jesus. I don't need anything else. I don't want anything else. I got Jesus. And that's my delight. That's who I'm satisfied with. How that would change the world. And you and I here at the Oasis, we might not be able to change the world, but we can change the community, the neighborhood, the place of work, our family, we can change that. And it can begin with us. It can begin with every one of us sort of saying, wow, God, I've gotten caught up in a lot of things and I've gotten distracted by a lot of things, but it's got to come back to you. I've got to begin to become delighted in Jesus again and satisfied with him and stop making my life about the pursuit of all these other things. That's why Jesus said to his followers, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those other things will be added to you. This is the story of the shepherds. This is the story of Christmas. Asking ourselves even at this time of year, am I satisfied with Jesus? Am I delighted with the gift of God to me? Let's pray. God, there is no, there's no better gift. There's no greater gift. There's no more wonderful gift that you could have given to us as human beings than the gift of Christ the Lord. Jesus. The name that is above all names. The name that at one point in history Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. God, so often at this time of year, we get caught up in other things, other pursuits. And sometimes we leave the greatest gift that's ever been given and ever will be given sort of neglected there in our lives, sort of pushed off to the side while we run after so many other things. God, I pray that this Christmas, each one of us would bring the gift of Christ right back to the very center of our lives. And that we would, we would find our wonder and our amazement in Him. In Him loving us. In Him dying for us. In Him forgiving us. In Him giving us eternal life. God, that's where we would find our joy and that's where we will find our peace. We know You are here with us, God. Help us to be with you and to focus upon you this Christmas season, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.